Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas that are sometimes informational, sometimes inspirational, and always entertaining on Stacy Connects. Hello, everyone. I am Stacy. Welcome to Stacy Connects, a show about making connections by asking questions instead of making assumptions. So thanks to those who listen live, like Mom and the Glop, a.k.a. the glorious ladies of Penswood. If you're listening to the podcast, hello to you, too. Uh, please share if you find the conversation interesting and consider rating or commenting as well. You can call live into the show today. The number is 425-373-5527. You can also connect with me by texting or calling 475-999-2726. Or as Eric likes to say on our Don't Ask Me to Talk show, what is the number that you use all the time? <laughs> uh, there's so many uh, different versions of it, but isn't four seven five nine nine nine? Is it cram? Bram? Well, cram or brand? Yeah, or bra six. Right. So there's <laughs> so many options for you to remember. So if you're a crammer, then remember four seven five nine 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 cram. If you're a brand person, then go with that one. Uh, so you can use that number to text or call me and tell me what you really think, because I know you have thoughts. So uh, I want to welcome to the show today, Greg Piker. Hello. Hello. This is going to be interesting because he is a man of few words, <laughs> and I am the opposite of that. And so I'm going to have to allow space for you to respond and interject. I'll try to be a good host. All right, we'll see how it goes. All right, I'm sure you will let me know. Uh, so my brain dump. So first of all, I want to say sorry about last week's show. Hopefully you enjoyed the replay of the episode with Rick Riz. Um, no need to apologize. That was a great show to listen to again. And Rick Riz, what a great guy. Right? And it's baseball season. Yeah. How are the Mariners doing? Uh, you'd have to ask a baseball guy. Don't you know from like doing news segments or anything, Greg, do you follow Mariner? All right. Well, go Yankees. Um, so yeah, such an interesting man and I am still determined to get him to write a book about his food travels courtesy of Major League Baseball. Um, anyway, such a great guy. It was, it's hard to believe that that was actually only my third show, um, and I got him. Like, that was a get. Um, and Tony Listella was supposed to be my guest. However, fear not. He has rescheduled. However, he is going to be on the May 26th episode of my show, mine and Eric's show, actually, Don't Ask Me to Talk, which airs on Kixie on Thursdays from 3 to 4. So tune in uh, next week and you can hear him on Thursday, or you can just listen to the podcast. So a mom update. Since last we spoke, mom fell down. Not good. She's Mm -hmm. fine. How's she doing now? She's doing better. Good. The barometer of how my mother is doing is whether or not she's drinking yet. (laughs) Now, I don't know, and I suspect that she will 
if she's listening tonight, call to let you know one way or the other, Eric. Uh, and if she's drinking, then that's a good thing. If she's still not drinking, then she's still not feeling great. So, and I sort of think that maybe the drinking has helped to pickle her in a way. <laughs> now, did the drinking contribute to the fall? No. Or just took some of the sting <laughs> from the fall away? <laughs> no. So she was, well, or I don't. Just not a factor. I don't know <laughs> if she had had a couple cocktails and she and uh you got to be careful. I, you do. I've nearly taken a spill after a couple cocktails. I, so. what, what is mom's preferred drink? Oh, Thank you for asking. It is Dewar's White Label with a splash. And I do mean a spit of water. And it has been, like, to the point where that's, that scent is more her scent than her actual perfume. Now, for those listening, she's not an alcoholic. She's born in 1940. She's of the cocktail hour generation and the cocktail parties where you invited people over for cocktails. And then they actually left and went and had dinner at home or elsewhere. Like, people knew how to have cocktail parties. So um, that said, she was on her way to dinner with Lee and Diane. I don't know if she had had a cocktail yet. I suspect, of course, yes. And they were walking, and she's not really sure what happened. She didn't trip on anything. Uh, She misstepped. She fell down, face-planted, and uh, broke her wrist and and hit her head and had to go to the hospital to make sure that she was not concussed and blah, blah, blah. And it has been a bummer for her, especially since it's uh, her dominant wrist. Well, it would be a bummer for anybody, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. So so hopefully she's feeling better. So I hope you're feeling better, Mom. Um, You know, feel free to contact me and I can give you her address, listeners. And you can all send her Get Well cards. That would be fun. Uh, Also, I have been updating you on the Odin journey for a kidney. Uh, I believe that last time, last time we spoke, I told you uh, that I was waiting to hear. I am not able to uh, donate a kidney. Apparently, I'm going to need my kidney, uh, probably from the gin that I drink and the wine and all the other things that I drink um, and the lack of exercise and diet. I digress. Um. I do want you to know that Maria and Monica were a guest on J.D. Winnikin's show. His show is This Show is All About You. Uh, It aired yesterday, but you can check out the podcast. It's called For the Love of Odin. Uh, So if you need a reminder about that story, look for For the Love of Odin on the podcast. The show is all about you. And please, please consider sharing it. Get educated about what it means to be a living donor. Even if you are not interested or able to donate, somebody that you know in your social media sphere, uh, they might be willing and able. And uh, instant karma is a thing. John Lennon sang about it, I think. And uh, didn't he? Yeah. 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 And, uh, And you get right to the top of the list. In case something happens to your own kidney. I mean, who doesn't want that kind of an insurance policy? So, uh, so that's that. All right. My Staceyism for the week. So this is sort of in honor of, um, oh, wait, before I get into this, I forgot. I'm going east for Grace. She's graduating from Fairfield. And so this is really exciting. Congratulations to her and to you. Thank you. She did 
all of the work. I did none of the work. Yeah, but you must be very proud. I am very proud. She sent or she FaceTimed with me today and uh, I was all weepy because she was having pictures taken and she was in her dress that she's going to be wearing and the cap and gown and the whole thing. And I was like, oh, no, that's another one. Three out of four. Ain't bad. Uh, And then she'll head to Northeastern to pursue her master's in accounting, which sounds hideous to me as somebody that basically bottomed out in fifth grade math. But I suspect that it is not where she'll end up. However, it is the next step in her journey. So she does her thing. Hey, there's always uh, a call for accountants. I know. She'll never uh, go hungry. So it's it's it's, a great feel for her. It is true. If she finds it interesting. And she'll end up, uh, she won't graduate with her CPA, but she'll graduate, I guess, with most of the parts of her CPA exam completed. And so then she'll have nine months before she has to report for duty uh, with PricewaterhouseCoopers. Very cool. It does feel like you're reporting for duty, I think. But again, that's my opinion. I'm sure she's excited. And it's also kind of uh, funny to think of like Price, Waterhouse, Cooper. It just sounds like straight out of Mad Men. Right? Uh, <laughs> it's just funny but when something like that still exists. I know. Today, like you know. Like the big four. In the days of the Googles and the, you know, metas of the world. Right. To, to still have, you know. Like the old school. The old school, yeah. Exactly. Like <laughs> Ernst Men and style. Young and, you know, Price, Waterhouse, <laughs> Cooper and all of those. Um yeah, it's interesting. If um, she is supposed to go for auditing in their New York office and she's like, they're underpaying me for New York, which, okay. I mean, honestly, I'm sure everyone is underpaid, like the for the average person in New York. Uh, so she's a little freaked out about that. That said, um, she is hoping to find a gig abroad to make up for the fact that she didn't get to go junior year abroad. And so she's thinking maybe she can get a paid internship while she waits to start her job. That's pretty cool. Right? That'd be cool. She really wants to go abroad. And I think that she can do whatever she wants. So she takes after her mother. My, My father lived quite an interesting life. And he was a mining engineer. And he traveled a lot to... Uh, he spent a bunch of time like in the Yukon and in South America. And he actually was going to China before it was opened up back in the 70s. Wow. And, and he, he lived outwardly a very interesting and exotic life. And in the end, I remember chatting with him and he said if he had it to do all over again, he'd have been an accountant because he could have stayed at home and had dinner at home and made enough money. And then he could have traveled where he wanted, when he wanted on vacation. And your daughter's going to go be an accountant, and she's looking to travel. So it's kind of a little right? turned around there. Maybe she'll get the best of both worlds. I have a feeling we have a caller. We do have a caller who uh, wanted to make some clarifications. Ah, so. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, sweetie. I was not drinking when I fell. Okay. You know, you never know. It's clear to everybody. I mean, I was going to dinner, and I was actually carrying a bottle of wine, and it didn't break. Hey, look at that. Isn't that cool? And last night I had a drink. Oh. And tonight I'm having a drink. There you go. She's back. I am back. I love it. And don't I know your guest? Greg? Yeah. I don't know that you do know Greg. So oh. uh, His name is familiar. Uh, Greg, I met through James Dunkelberger, who you know. 
Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Greg is the founder, owner, operator of Quiddity Wines in Woodenville. Hey. Hello. That's cool. <laughs> I'll get to know him when I come out. Yeah, please stop by. Yeah, we'll go in and we'll say hi. Oh, cool. All right, back to your show, sweetie. I just had to clarify everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, love you. Love hey, you too. Bye. Hey, since we're doing clarifications, apparently uh, the uh, the sound of uh, the Mariners. Mariners, that's the one, the baseball, they're seven games back, which puts them in the middle of the pack for their uh, their division. That's probably good for them this season. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't really know that much about them, but, you know, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Go Mariners, but really go Yankees. Um, well, we're in Seattle, so I think we all collectively want all our teams to do well, yes. regardless of whether we're fans of that sport or not. So. Yes, of course we want our local. I mean, it's iconic, absolutely. Yep. And you can hold two truths to be self-evident. <laughs> and I'm a Yankee fan. So, But that said, if I have to root for a second team— I can tell you it is not the Red Sox. It is definitely the Mariners. So, uh, okay. So back to my Staceyism. So May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And it has been an interesting couple weeks for me. Um, and I have shared this Staceyism before, but it felt like it was worth sharing given both my guest and my mental state of the past few weeks. Um this Staceyism is you can go to the pity party, but only stay for one drink. And it is uh, something that, you know, I go through. I've shared more than once that I deal with anxiety and depression and I've got ADHD and attentive type. And I have no bones about sharing these things. Uh, the more people talk about it and normalize it, the better it is. And I notice that I'll go through waves of depression and I start to shut down a little bit. Uh, usually happens a couple times a year. Uh, other times it can be brought on by other stressors or things like that. Um, both hit kind of at once in the past couple of weeks. So that was a bummer. Uh, and I stand by my stasiism of going to the pity party and only staying for a drink. And what I mean by that is it's important to have a moment that you – Explore what's going on, whether you feel sorry for yourself for a moment, sure, go for it, or whether you just lean into feeling bad or sad or mad. Now I feel like I'm doing a children's book. Uh, whatever your feelings are, it's important to lean into them. That said, metaphorically, uh, only stay for one drink. Uh, don't drown your sorrows. Uh, don't cover them up. Don't add extra layers of bandages. Um, don't find unhealthy coping mechanisms like the toasted extra toasty Cheez-Its that I was eating. Um, don't do those things. Reach out to your community. And if you don't think that you have a community, you would be very surprised. Um, heck, I'm part of your community. So just a reminder, uh, with Mental Health Awareness Month, you should lean in, but you should not close the bar. So there you go. Uh, okay, let's take a really quick break here. And then when we come back, I am going to give Greg Piker of Quiddity Wines an opportunity to maybe say a few words. Keep listening to Stacy Connects. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
Looking to reconnect with your partner, spouse, kids, or self? When the disconnect seemingly has been there for a lifetime and is impacting your relationships, it's difficult to determine how and where to start. But at the root with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is the perfect first step. Throughout each episode, Greg talks about establishing emotional connection with ourselves and others. He offers experience, advice, explanation, and resources to listeners. You can find past episodes on his website, KuiperCounseling.com, or through his YouTube channel, Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuiper. Stacy Connects, it's not just my business, it's my superpower. Whether you need the right tone and messaging for a new venture, or you've plateaued with your current one, I can help. I connect clients with themselves and their potential. Then I identify unique solutions that translate your brand into messaging that connects your target audience with your business. Go to stacyconnects.com to connect with me and your messaging. Alternative Talk 1150, local talk for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back to Stacy Connects. I have as my guest today, Greg Piker of Quiddity Wines. Now, I don't have to ask you what Quiddity is. I already know what it is. Okay. For those people that don't know, Quiddity is, it is like the thing that makes the thing what it is, the essence of something. It's the thing that makes something what it is or the essential nature of a thing. Yes. There you go. Now, I will say that I did not know this prior to meeting you, which, as I mentioned, uh, we met because of the Dunkelbergers. Mm-hmm. We attended a, uh, I think, a charity event and uh, had dinner. It was like farm to table. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think Grace... Uh, and Zach were dating at the time. Yep. And uh, so we had the pleasure of meeting, and then you were getting ready to launch your uh, winery, mm-hmm. and you needed somebody to come up with some ideas. And so I got to learn what quiddity is. And ever since, it's like my word that I have in my pocket <laughs> to be like, oh, yeah, you know, quiddity. Uh, so thank you for that. You're welcome. Oh, uh, thanks to the Word of the Day app, actually, I guess. I I forgot about that, mm-hmm. that you found it because of the Word of the Day. See, things happen for a reason. So here's where I want to go first. Like my husband, like James, like so many other people in this area, you were a Microsoft guy. Mm-hmm. My husband actually just left Microsoft about two months ago. Yeah, congr- I, congrats, I assume. Yes. And uh, a lot of people that leave then have a passion project that they want to go pursue. They've they've had it. I mean, some people go and, you know, they're like, forget it. I'm not going to deal with Microsoft anymore. And they go to another one of the big companies or they right. do consulting or whatever. Uh, however, I notice that there are a lot of frustrated creatives that seem to retire from Microsoft and pivot. Okay. Is that a fair assessment of kind of how you are? I I find as I get older, I don't remember super accurately how, how things actually happen. But my recollection is I, I actually started taking classes at the Northwest Wine Academy at South Seattle Community College in the evenings. And I just did that for entertainment. I've always been a food and wine guy. 
and they had, you know, wines of the world and just classes to learn about wine. So I started doing that and then I was like, gosh, this is, this is interesting. And I figured if I'm going to go take classes, I might as well go through the whole program. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, you know, as the program went on, it's like, well, gee whiz, I have undergrad and graduate school credits. I might as well get those transferred and get a degree. So then one of the prerequisites of doing a degree is you had to do an internship. Okay. So I uh, called a friend of mine uh, from Microsoft that had been through the program. His name's William Grassy. He owns William Grassy Wine Estates. And I said, hey, Bill, you, you went through this and, I, you know, I have to do an internship and I, I have a full-time job. I, I don't really just want to work at a tasting room on the weekends you know, what did you do? How did you satisfy this internship thing? And oddly enough, he never answered my question. But what he said was, I own a winery and I'm not using it this fall because I'm running for Congress. He was running for Dave Reichert's open seat in the okay. primary. And he said, why don't you buy some grapes and I will mentor you and you can make some wine. I figured, what the heck? Okay, let's wow. buy some grapes and make some wine. And, and at the time he... Graciously, I mean, it was done under his bond, right? Winemaking is very closely regulated by the government, and sure. so it had to be under his bond. And so legally at the time, it was his wine. And he'd offered to even, if I decided I didn't want to open a winery, purchase the wine back from me, and that way I could have walked away from it. And, you know, one thing led to another. Life got complicated. COVID happened, all sorts of things. And I, I personally got to the point where I can't get this close to it and not do it. Mm -hmm. If I get this close and don't do it and sell the wine back to Bill, I will always regret that. And then I think one of the key uh, things that enabled me to do it was I didn't think that hard about it. It was kind of like, well, okay, sure, let's give it a try. And, you know, one thing leads to another. So, yes, wine and food was always a passion of mine, but it was a pretty circuitous path. It wasn't like, you know, Gosh darn it! I'm gonna, I'm I'm hell bent on opening a winery, and, and I'm gonna go do that now. It was kind of, you know, circuitous away. Yeah. Well, it sort of speaks to what I'm talking about with uh, Grace. You know, she she was always really into fashion and style, and so the assumption among many was that she would do that. And turns out she's a numbers girl who likes to be mm -hmm. in charge. And so, you know, her she's a marketing accounting double major. Uh, with dreams of being a CEO or a CFO. And so she gets that there's multiple steps and that, you know, you never think that you're working towards a particular, I mean, some people have the end goal, right? Doctor, lawyer, that kind of thing. Um, even them, though, that's not what defines you. And hopefully you can do other things and pursue other things. So this idea that you got there and it was an organic happening, yeah. I'm a big believer that things that are meant to happen are not complicated. Like you do have a, you know, yeah, what's the worst that could happen? I think it's important to have a, a direction at the moment and then be open to kind of what the universe is telling you. Right. The whole winemaking journey, there's been a whole lot of input that's been gathered from all sorts of things, like celestial seasonings, tea boxes. I you know, Personally, I grew up in the town where that's made, and 
I, I find things that I'm doing now that have come from there. And, mm-hmm. you know, the artwork was cobbled together from various different sources. And, and I think what's important and one thing I've enjoyed is just trying to be open to be open to all of those things, mm-hmm. to hear them when they're out there. Absolutely. Now, I do have a question. You mentioned that you have to buy the grapes. Mm-hmm. Are grapes something that you have to buy each year? Um, I, I think it depends upon how you approach it. Um, the way I do it is I contract year to year. Okay. And I contract with the same people. And the assumption uh, that starts the year is, hey, here are the contracts that uh, kind of entitle you to the grapes you bought last year. Mm-hmm. Right. So the assumption is the same starting right, point. Right, a first refusal. Yeah, kind of. And then you can say, well, you know, I need a little less of this and I'm looking for some more of that. You know, do you guys have it available? Okay. And we've been able to iterate and works pretty well. and. Yeah. Interesting, because when you mentioned that Bill said, hey, you can buy some grapes and basically use the... That was very late in the game, and so I was out kind of on the open market, if you will, trying to buy whatever was extra. And got I got very lucky and found some great providers and actually have stayed with them ever since. You know, sometimes it doesn't have to be that complicated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now, did Bill come back to his winery? Yeah, no, he's he runs his winery now that is doing quite well. He actually has a tasting room out on um, uh, Snoqualmie Ridge. Okay. So everybody stop by and visit William Grassy Wine Estates out there. Love it. Now, then, it's so it's one thing to go from working somebody else's space to then investing in your own. And I still produce at the same place, which we, we share a, a, a facility. Okay. How much wine does that facility produce? Like I have no I, no concept of. So let me let me back up a step. So the lake house that we bought in Oroville, Washington, mm-hmm. there is uh, grapes all throughout the property, and uh, that they you know they're growing. You can buy a house that's like one of the vineyard houses. I'm doing air quotes for people that can't see me, and so you know there's some areas that have the grapes and they're growing and whatever, and they produce some wine. But I have no idea how much grapes can produce in terms of wine, that if you need a big swath of land or if you can, you know, in the backyard. Yeah. So increasingly, I, I don't keep things in my head very well. I'm, I'm a OneNote and an Excel guy, and I write all this stuff down. So year one, I bought uh, about 10 tons of grapes okay. and produced a little over 500 cases of wine. Okay. Interesting. Which, by winery standard, is teeny tiny. By guy in the garage standard, is pretty good sized. Right. Yeah. Did you make any wine in your garage when you first? I mean, I know like microbrewers and that kind of thing, like, you know, they're doing stuff. Can you do that? I've always been a a food and wine person. And so I've traveled a lot uh, in in wine areas. I went to school in the Central Valley of California, which is a big wine area. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I brewed a lot of beer when I was younger. And when I was younger, uh, high school, college, my father and I, we made some pretty crappy homemade wine out of, you know, fruit that was around and whatnot. And then obviously going through the program, you make wine through the production part of the program. So I'd done it several times there and was familiar with, I guess, the brewing winemaking process. Okay. So you mentioned that you enjoy the the food and the drink piece. Mm -hmm. So when you are 
coming up with your wines, are you having them just be straight drinkable wines or are you thinking about what they're going to pair with? I I go for the wine, right? Um, in in the first year, I I, I made a gra- a Grenache, a Syrah, a Mourvedre, and then a, a blend, and they all turned out quite well. And so my philosophy at this point is is kind of like you know eighty percent don't mess up a good thing. It seems like right. that that's working pretty well. And then I've I've added different things to the portfolio as we go along, like a, a white, which is a Roussan, and a rosé, which is a rosé of Mourvedre. And, uh, and then every year try and do something different. Um, uh, so, you know, like if you're doing a white or you're doing a pink, yeah, you're thinking that you're going to be doing, you know, lighter summery kind of, but do I, you know, does one make a wine thinking specifically, oh, well, this will go really well with lamb chops or no, no, not anything like that. I don't know. I thought it was a, I, I a question worth asking. I, I mean, I don't. I, maybe somebody does. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, there's, uh, I suppose there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat, right? Or skin yeah, a grape. Sure. Uh, now, a lot of the wines that you make seem to have a, dare I say it, I haven't necessarily, necessarily heard of the types that they are. Like, yes, I've heard of a Grenache and I know what a blend is and all those kinds of things. Uh, how do you decide what kind of blends you're going to make, what kinds of wines you're going to make. I I started with the guiding philosophy just being I, I make wines that I like, right? So I actually got so far as to pick, a, a, you know, a favorite wine. Um, Wonderland is a Grenache that's made by Sparkman that I just think is really awesome. And, and actually, uh, uh, Lynn Scott is their winemaker, and he publishes very detailed tech sheets like down to the yeast that he uses wow. and stuff. So, so yes, I went and looked at that and that was a huge inspiration. Um, so I, I, I make the wines that I like, uh, what I've kind of settled on is I, I like Rhone varietals. I like kind of an old world style, meaning neutral oak, not, you know, big and chewy and oaky. Um, and then again, kind of go from there. I, I, I like port. So I have a couple of ports in barrel. Um, and then, my other guiding philosophy is I'd like to try to do something new and different every year. Just mm-hmm. kind of call the vineyard guys and say, hey, what do you have extra of? Or, you know, what's growing really well this year? And just kind of give it a try. So. That's, that is, uh, I love that. It's like every year when we pick our Christmas cookies, we have the classics, right? Because right. it wouldn't be the same if you didn't have the classics. And yet then it's like, let's try something that's different. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Uh, now, speaking of port... That makes me think of uh, my cousin, uh, Joe Schneider. So uh, he is somebody who, in his case, he didn't pivot with his career as you did. He uh, he went to Cornell, a uh, really smart guy, ended up meeting his future wife. She headed to the Netherlands to uh, do a job. He went with her um, on a visa, couldn't really do much, so ended up interning with like a local cheesemaker or something. Hmm. Well- Fast forward, he uh, now produces Stitchelton cheese uh, in partnership with Neil's uh, Yard Dairy. And it is like a world-renowned cheese. Mm -hmm. And it pairs beautifully with port. Oh. So you can find it. uh, Sometimes you can find it at uh, Met Market. Okay. 
Um, and it's really delicious. And it's like a blue cheese, but it's uh, it's like when um, so I guess with Stilton, there was this whole thing about pasteurization in England mm-hmm. and that they had to let some things go and blah, blah, blah. Well, he brought this back. So it's like a Stilton. Oh, cool. So keep that in mind. I like stinky cheeses. I, I mean, do you know the stinky cheese, man? The book? No. It's a very good book. I'll tell you later about it. All right. Um, okay. So then in terms of, okay, so you're not thinking necessarily about what they go with, mm-hmm. um, but you're more thinking about what you like to drink. It's like picking stocks, right? Go with what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the feedback that you've gotten? Like, have you, did you start with friends and family? Like, how do you start a winery? Like, I mean, I suppose that's a silly question. Like, how do you start anything? Um, yeah, no, it's a good question. And I find a lot of these questions are reasonably simple. And then my 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 mind kind of goes blank, right? That's kind of, gee whiz, I don't know. I never thought of it that way. How do you start a winery? Kind of one step at a time, really. You know, yeah, you, you certainly lean on family and friends uh, at the get-go. And, um, you know, wine, there's a variety of different ways to sell it. You can sell it direct. You can um, sell it through distribution. You can, uh, you know, various different ways. So you got to kind of decide what do you want to be when you grow up and how big do you want to be and how do you want to try and sell it. Um, I'm still pretty much all direct, either through the winery or through the web page. Um, and then you just start kind of marketing and, and, and selling and contacting people however you can. Woodenville's got a great uh, uh, Woodenville Wine Country kind of a, a, a organization oh, yeah. to promote It's like Woodenville. a whole chamber of commerce that's yeah. like wine-based. Well, it's it's wine and beer and spirits, and right. now they're getting into the restaurants, and it's, it's really promoting kind of Woodenville and the whole Woodenville experience. And they've also got a thing called the passport. So you you purchase it for a certain amount, and then you get to have uh, a t- tasting of three wines from uh, any number of, of a bunch of different wineries. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but a whole bunch. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. And so um, I joined that, and that certainly increased the flow of people into the into the the tasting room. I was also kind of fortunate that at the time uh, I shared the the tasting room space with Ancestry Cellars and Truth Cellar, okay. which are both um, started here in Woodenville. They've now Ancestry has since moved to Monson, uh, and they ha- they still have a tasting room in Woodenville. And then Truth Cellars moved to Walla Walla, and they also still have a, a tasting room here. But at the time, we all three shared space, so it was kind of one of those people would come in to taste their wines. And it's like, well, hey, here's this other guy. Let's let's give it a try. So, you know, that that was a huge help as well. Absolutely. And then I imagine that you're, you know, building up that list of people that are interested. And then that mm-hmm. becomes a way to stay in touch with people and, yeah. and to connect with them. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, there's other ways to kind of get your name out there. There's a lot of wine competitions, you know, Savor Northwest and the Seattle Wine Awards. Uh, Seattle Wine Awards just came out. I, I, I was in the tasting room on on Sunday. And I got the email that my 2019 Syrah won a double gold. And so Congratulations. There, was, there was this um, frequent customer that was there with some friends, and we opened the bottle right then and uh, toasted the email, I guess. That's amazing. Congratulations. So, thank you. So that's, um, that's one way to get your name out there. The other is to send it off and get the wines reviewed by, like, you know, wine enthusiasts and places mm-hmm. like that. 
And the, the guy that does the reviewing for um, Wine Enthusiast actually is here in town, is in Seattle. His name's Sean Sullivan. He, does a, he has a, a, a wine blog, and um, he does Wine Enthusiast. And he, he also sells freelance articles like the Seattle Met and whatnot. Okay. And he's been a huge fan of the wines, and I've been incredibly fortunate. He's featured me in a couple of articles, so that's been super helpful. That's great. And then there's this whole, one of the most interesting things to me about opening a business is um, just all the stuff you don't know, right? Like, you know, when you go to a winery, you see those A-frame signs that say, you know, wine tasting today, turn here. So I'm opening a tasting room. I guess I need a sign. Gee whiz, uh, where do you get a sign? I don't know. And, you you know, you just go look up signs or us or whatever. Who, 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 I, I never would have figured that those signs are 200 bucks, right? They're so expensive. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, that's a whole thing. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation because I want to talk about the business uh, sides of pursuing a passion. Uh, All right, we'll be right back with Stacy Connects. Stacey Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Too many relationships are adversely affected by wounds from our past. Lack of connection, unhappiness, shame, and regret are just some of the fallouts we experience when we choose to avoid addressing those wounds. Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is a psychotherapist committed to reestablishing connection with self to create greater connection with others. His work with teens, individuals, couples, and those struggling with substance use. If you struggle with old wounds or unhealthy narratives, get to the root of them in yourself by contacting Greg Kuiper at KuiperCounseling.com. That's KuiperCounseling.com. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Stacy Connects. I am here with Greg Piker. Hello. He is from Quiddity Wines, which you have a tasting uh, room in Woodenville. I do. It's in Woodenville. It's in the warehouse district. And it's actually not with all the other ones. It's just across the street. So turn right and go up the hill. A couple doors down from... Um, Triple Horn Brewery, for those that know it. Okay. I mean, don't you have the sandwich board type signs that are very expensive that will point people? <laughs> we do. Yes, they, they are there. Um, the actual address, I, I well, shoot. That's um, right. I'll give you time to look for it. Yeah, no, it's here somewhere. Uh, so I want to talk about. There it is. Hang oh, on. It's oh, oh. Uh, 19510144 Avenue Northeast Suite C1. So we're in, the, we're in a... Um, an office complex with Triple Horn, and then there's us, and then there's Trophy Cupcakes in their production facility. So it's a it's a pretty okay place. Okay. Yeah. Can you 
Like, do they have a window that you can walk up and get a cupcake? You can't. It's their production facility. So, Do you have you an know, in? What's that? Do you have an in? Uh, no, not really. Oh, man. Yeah. I am a sucker for a cupcake. But if you order something for, like, Valentine's Day or whatnot, they may you may pick them up there. Hmm. All right. Noted. Uh, so which wine pairs best with one of their cupcakes? Well, I have a... a a wine called an Amore, which is a GSM blend, so a blend of Grenache, Syrah, and Mervedra. And it's uh, named for the Latin phrase of um, love is rich with honey and venom. So that seems like a pretty good pairing with, with a cupcake, uh, a chocolatey kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it, I guess it depends upon the cupcake. Well, yeah, yeah. that's probably true. Yeah. Okay, uh, so turning something that is a, a hobby or a passion into a business uh, – I, when I was starting with my business, I had a few influences. One was uh, Lucy Van Pelt from uh, Hmm. Peanuts. I really liked the idea of putting up a booth and like, it's as simple as like advice five cents. Now, obviously, upping the price a little bit and that it's like, here it is. Now, my husband pointed out that she was a bully. Now, yes. Probably. So that probably <laughs> isn't the best thing. However, I really liked how simple her business model was. The other business model is the lady that my mom wanted to make our wedding cake. She had this business where she would decide a year in advance which weekends she was willing to make a wedding cake. So if you ended up getting mm-hmm. her, you got her. If you didn't, sorry, I'm booked. I'm like, that's just manifesting a full calendar. Like, that's brilliant. Uh, and so that's something else that I really thought about with my business. And anytime I stray too far from trying to work towards what I want and complicating, it messes me up with my business. You're probably, I'm going to make an assumption here, which you will correct me. I feel like I'm at a disadvantage having not worked worked. I was a stay-at-home mom and I worked retail. I mean, that wasn't a career. That was a job. Uh, with your background, I would imagine that that helps a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of things from my past background that I kind of drew upon. And I didn't sort of actively know I was drawing upon them at the time, but but ended up doing it. Yeah. Um, I was an art minor undergrad. I was a civil engineer for 10 years. I then worked at Microsoft. And um, there's just a whole bunch of stuff. The ability to deal with regulatory organizations, um, running a tasting room, uh, relating to people, social media. And like I said, it's just interesting where those skills come from. And you didn't really even think that you might use those skills. Two of the most useful Sort of classes or things that I, uh, well, actually three classes, um, seventh grade, th- most useful class I ever took, typing. You didn't think about it at the time. Mm. N- number two uh, was in high school, was yearbook. And you wouldn't think about that, but that, that was a big, you know, working on a deadline, getting stuff done, working in groups. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that at the time, but looking back, it was hugely impactful. And then I took this class in grad school about writing. It was writing so people can comprehend and understand what you're saying. And I just use that all the time. I love that. I have to think about what things uh, have been helpful for me. Um, now, social media. Mm-hmm. I So I read an article uh, this morning. Uh, this woman posted on LinkedIn 
uh, this sort of ode to the Gen X people, Mm -hmm. uh, which is people that were born, I think, from early 60s to whatever it is. So I don't know your age. It's not polite to ask somebody their age. Uh, However, I'm going to assume that you fall within the parameters of this. I think I'm a cusp of like the dead end of boomers, the beginning of Gen X. Okay. Uh, What I loved about this, though, it was... It was talking about how, you know, like when I left college, I was still typing on a typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> that was my graduation present from high school was a typewriter. Right. With the, with the, the, the correct ribbon. Same. The, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, the fact that we have been able to adapt the way that we have mm-hmm. to all of these things and that not only do we adapt, but we welcome it mm-hmm. and we adjust. Uh, you know, I would just like a little bit more love for the Gen Xers. Uh But that makes me think of the social media thing Mm -hmm. because social media comes out so quickly. I mean, there's Instagram and, you know, and then Facebook or Meta, which people are like, ah, it's dead, except for a certain age for boomers and some Gen Xers. Uh, However, there are people that are really active on it. And then, of course, there's Snapchat and TikTok and, uh, you know, all these different platforms. Have you found that that has been a a tool that you've been able to learn how to wield, if you will, and has it been <laughs> helpful? So I think there's three that we use, one, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and then just, I'll say, the general internet, if you will. And I'm by no means like a wizard, uh, but we do participate through Facebook and Instagram. And I'd say we do okay. I mean, I, I do see evidence that People will come in and say, I mean, even just this last weekend, somebody came in and said, oh, I saw that you had a a tasting event this weekend and we were here for that. So, you know, wow, I I posted that and these people came in, right? There's there's data. Right. Um, And then we do see, I I do see things that where people like will do a search and they're, you know, we're looking for Rhone wineries in Woodenville and we found you. Yep. And so that's the whole search engine optimization thing, which is, is tough. And uh, I mean, even to this day, a year later, I'm still working at getting at showing up correctly on Google Maps. So if there's anybody out there that's like got that wired, uh, please reach out to me. I know there's um, Pia Larson of Fingerprint Marketing. Uh, one of the things that she offers to people is like Google My Business and yep. like really setting it up, right? And uh, making sure. I mean, her business is about digital marketing, uh, websites, and optimization. So that reminds me of another kind of learning that I had along the way. There's There's been a, a whole lot of things that I've had to do on the on the journey that I didn't normally do, like like setting up a web page was one. Yes, I worked at Microsoft, but I was always in operations, right? right. So I was not the guy writing code. And uh, I went out and got some offers to do web pages. And one was like $7,500, and it was going to take three months. And I watched a YouTube video and I did it over two weekends myself. And now I'm really happy I did because if I want to change something or add an offer or whatever, I can do it that afternoon. I don't have to wait for some developer. So the big learning for me was really carefully choosing where I brought people in to help me and that that was really for sort of value added help and that you know, doing as much as I could myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, because those things are expensive. I mean, uh, 
once upon a time, websites, everything was custom, custom, custom. Mm. Now there is templates, which some web designers would probably take offense at the idea that you've just called it a template. However, wedding cake designers do the same thing. Round cake, put it together, now carve it and make it your own. And so, you know, uh, between Squarespace and do you do it on Squarespace or do you do it through WordPress? WordPress. Oh, WordPress is hard. There's a there's this guy. I, I suppose maybe we can send a link or whatever after the thing in the notes. But he does he did it step by step. It's so like an hour and a half long video, but he takes you from soup to nuts. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. You it's, can find anything on the internet. Yeah, except potentially yeah. your winery. So yeah. we'll have to work on that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> um, it's showing up on the map, right? Because if you have two people that share a location, Google doesn't understand that it explodes. Yes. So it's how to how to work around that. Now I will say, uh, do you know about geofencing? I guess no. So, if you want people to be able to Snapchat while they're at the winery mm. having the experience, yep, you can then draw a geofence oh, around yeah. the room. Yeah. And then when people are swiping through looking for filters, got it. Then you can have one that is for quitting. interesting. We'll have to investigate that. So I, I have two kids. I have a 22 year old son and a 20 year old daughter, and they help mentor me in the social media stuff. So right, like helpful. what's worth it and what's not. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could do if you have a good outside wall, you can do one of those big Instagram walls, so that it becomes a destination too. There you go. I mean, I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, okay. So since we only have like five or six minutes here, what are the things that? What are the questions that I didn't ask you? I know that we. We talked prior to the show that people ask you a lot of the same questions. Oh, yeah. I get. I, I mean, you know, where does the name come from? What is my favorite wine? How did I get into it? Um, I, I, I get the what is my favorite wine a lot. And it sounds like a, a phony baloney answer, but um, it depends. It depends on what my mood is. It depends on what the weather is. It depends upon what I had for lunch. And, uh, you know, wine snobs say things like, oh, the Cabernet is drinking very nicely today, <laughs> which is, is kind of snooty, but it's true. Like, you know, every weekend I come in and you open all of the bottles and you decant them out and you get them ready and, you know, you taste them to make sure that they haven't gone bad or anything. And every week they taste different. And every week to me, there's a winner. It's like, ooh, wow, you know, the Carmenere this week. Wow, that's really good, right? And next week, the Carmenere may not be my favorite. Now, so. do you think that that is a universal truth or do you think that that is, you know, like a your perspective? Like, No, I think that's, I mean, it is pretty common for wine people to say that, you know, the Cabernet is drinking very nicely today. Yeah, I think that's okay. pretty common. I wasn't sure if that was like a, yeah. a personal preference or if there's there's just something about. Let's say it's not uncommon. How about that? Uh, all right, I'll go with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh what other things? What are the what are the things that you wish people asked you but they don't? What wine that's, won't you do? That's interesting. I I did have this group of ladies that came in. They they started as a as a mom's group, and I think they're from Monroe. And and as their kids got older, they became a mom's wine tasting group. Naturally, like you. And, do. and I was. Uh, I saw them coming in and I was like, uh-oh, here comes trouble, right? This is going to be like a, a bachelorette party. But no, they, they had a lot of fun and, and they were a lot of, they were fun. And they were largely well-behaved. Um, but, you know, they just came in and they're like, tell us a story, right? So that, that, that's kind of fun and entertaining. 
I'm sorry, I forget your other question. No, I actually, I love oh, that. What because, did they not ask me? Well, I want to go with the story thing because you are. Ah, okay. See, here's. Uh, yeah, let me. I love the fact that you're a storyteller. How how can you, every detail from what I've met of you, and I'm sorry to interrupt, I will give you a moment to answer. What I know about you is you are thoughtful about what you say, but right. everything from where you have been influenced right. to the things that you name, like there's a story behind all right. of it. No, there is. So I here's a story. Um, so the first year I made the wines, like I said, I, I, I did a Grenache, I did a Syrah, and I did a Mourvedre. And um, the way you do the blending is you get every barrel down, and so there's whatever, five barrels of Grenache. You taste all the barrels, right? And then all the Syrah. And, you, you know, this this barrel's an A, this one's kind of a B minus, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you have your recipe, and you're like, how much do I want to be Grenache, and how much do I want to go in the blend? And so, you know, two barrels go into the Grenache, and the rest go into the blend. Right. So I did all of that. And my favorite wine at the time was the Mourvedre. And I was going to do one barrel of that as straight Mourvedre and put the rest in the blend. And because I was a new winemaker, I wasn't super confident in myself. And I'll just say I I got some opinions from some respected people elsewhere about what I should do. And um, the feedback I received was, hey, the Grenache is awesome, super elegant wine. The Syrah, it's, it's fine. Everybody's got a Syrah, kind of whatever. And the feedback was that the Mervedra is weird. I would not, uh, I don't know what to do with that wine. And so then that weekend, this was right at the start of COVID, right? That weekend, my daughter and I flew back east and she was uh, interviewing for a scholarship at Lafayette College in Easton, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And their motto is Kernan, which is why not? And I was all inspired by that. And so I came home and I was like, well, I don't, Really, I'm not going to listen to these others that gave me the input. I like the Kernon, and so I will do two barrels of that as straight, and I'll put the rest in the blend. And it it was rated as one of the 40 best Washington wines of 2020. So there are times to listen to people, and there are times to kind of go with your gut and trust yourself. And honestly— And I suppose, honestly, there's times to be lucky, too. But Well— <laughs> Uh, my husband likes to say sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Yeah. Um, I take both, though. Right? Yeah. And I, that's one of the things that I really enjoy hearing about your stories is that uh, for somebody who is so grounded in practicality and literally grounded, I mean, grapes, right? Uh, you very much trust in the universe and what's meant to happen. Yeah. And and like I said when we were talking at the break, I— I'm fortunate enough. I'm not trying to feed my family with the revenue from this, so it is a bit of a side hustle. So that that provides me the latitude to. Well, we can still get people to go to your yeah. winery. So, yeah. uh, please share again. It's Quiddity Winery. It's Quiddity Wines. It's in the uh, warehouse district of Woodenville. Like I said, it's uphill. So it's one nine five one zero. 144th Avenue Northeast, Suite C1. And we're open right now, uh, Saturdays and Sundays, 1 to 6. And we do have a web page, which is www.quidditywines. So Q U I D D I T Y W I N E S dot com. And uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram too. Just search. There you go. Yep. Check it out. Uh, I will definitely be coming in after Grace's graduation. 
Thank you for being my guest. Uh, time you. always flies. Thank you for having me. It, it actually did. I, see? Yeah. Next week's guest is Teresa uh, DeLapp of Third Layer Living. I'm excited to talk to her. Thank you again. Remember, everyone, stay connected. Thank you. Thank you.